Elmhurst can is proof that the spirit can keep going strong even when you're into your 80s. Uh, it's cool to see the way uh, after years and years and years, um, spirit is still moving in Ken and he is getting it done around Chicago. Uh, speaking of getting it done around Chicago, uh, there is a pretty famous Chicagoan who is riding high right now. His name is Kanye West. Have you heard of him? Uh, he is the greatest artist the city of Chicago has ever produced, according to himself. <laughs> he has said this repeatedly. Uh, I don't want to cast too much shade on Kanye. His latest album, released just this month, has become the first record ever to top the Billboard 100 chart, the R&B chart, the hip-hop chart, the rap chart, the Christian album chart, and the gospel music chart simultaneously. Right? <laughs> we're clapping for Kanye in church. Now, hopefully we're not clapping for just Kanye. The name of his record is Jesus is King. <laughs> what is going on in the United States of America? There is a record called Jesus is King on the top of every single musical chart. In January of this year, Kanye West started occasionally leading something that he and I think his wife Kim dubbed the Sunday service. Uh, happens once or twice a month. Just last week on Sunday, it happened in Houston. Uh, 20,000 people uh, snapped up the free tickets in less than seven minutes and then showed up for the Sunday service. Earlier this month, there was a Sunday service. Uh, there's usually not a sermon at the Sunday service, as far as I can tell. I mean, there is at this Sunday service. That's what's happening now. Uh, but at Kanye's service, there is like a lot of music, dancing, praise, a little bit of prayer, maybe some testimony, rarely a message. There was one on November 3 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Purportedly, more than 1,000 adults made first-time faith commitments to Jesus Christ at that particular Sunday service. Again, what is going on in the United States of America? Like, I thought we had a church growth problem. Like, people are showing up. I thought less and less people were self-identifying as Christians. This is like a thousand people in one gathering. Is this for real? Like, it seems like it's for real. Time will tell, right? Time will tell what is going on in Kanye West. Here's what he said about himself just in October. When I was trying to serve multiple gods, it drove me crazy. And this was not all that long ago. The god of ego, the god of money, the god of pride, the god of my fame. I didn't even know what it meant to be saved, but now I do. I love Jesus Christ, and I love Christianity. Okay. So here's what I know. Like in North America, sometimes our material stuff makes it hard to follow Jesus. I mean, I own a condo and two cars, and sometimes my stuff gets in the way, right? Kanye has a couple hundred million dollars and a bunch of Kardashians. <laughs> so, like, there will be hurdles, like, in his way of, like, this laser focus that he has on following Jesus. But the early evidence of what is coming out of his mouth and what he is doing 
It's like some pretty amazing signs of spiritual fruit. One of the thing that amazed me the most is when he was in Houston and Dallas, he actually went to several prisons, sat down with prisoners one by one, was talking to guys, sharing his testimony, and he said, this came out of his mouth, the guy who formerly identified as the greatest artist who ever came out of Chicago, he said, the only real superstar in this life is Jesus. Like, props. Like, anybody who says that, if you're willing to cop to that this morning, like, you're on a good path. It might not be easy, but like, this is the path. Jesus is king. That's what this day, this Sunday service, this is what every legitimate Sunday service is actually about in the end, that Jesus is, in fact, king. But how did he get there? How did Jesus become king? How did it come to be that billions of people across the world call him king? For the next few minutes, we're going to look at the last 18 hours or so of the life of Jesus of Nazareth to answer this question. One of the books in the Bible was written by a man named Luke. And what Luke said about himself is that he sat down and interviewed people. He collected all the stories. And then he put it together in the book that we call Luke in an orderly way so that other people might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the King. Luke tells us that late one night, Jesus was betrayed by his friends in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested. He was taken to the home of the high priest in Jerusalem, and they started asking him questions in order to accuse him with the end goal in mind of putting him to death. Now, recently, uh, modern technology, archaeological excavation, the cover of National Geographic just came out yesterday, is archaeology in the city of Jerusalem. In the last few hundred years, um, the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, where Jesus was tried, has been identified and discovered. Like, kind of known for a while where this place was. There's an, actually an ancient, several hundred-year-old mosaic identifying this place. And the mosaic in that house, the house of the high priest, pictures Jesus with two ropes around his arms and his armpits being lowered down into a pit or into a dungeon. Okay? Where was Jesus between his trial with Caiaphas, the high priest, and his trial with Pontius Pilate in the morning? Luke actually doesn't answer that question. But modern archaeological excavations have dug up a 20-foot deep pit beneath Caiaphas's house, and Christian tradition for quite a while has stated that Jesus spent the night lowered down alone in this windowless cell 20 feet underground. Now, last week in worship, I told the story about this little girl, baby Jessica, who was stuck for 50-some hours, 20-some feet underground. Like, it's this amazing redemptive story. Jesus of Nazareth, quite likely, spent an entire night in darkness, in loneliness, in the dread of anticipation of what's coming next, 20 feet underground. Christian tradition also states that Jesus, all things being equal, was praying the words of Psalm 88. I'm going to read you just a few of those words from Psalm 88. And if you can imagine this prayer coming out of the mouth of somebody who's stuck 20 feet underground waiting for judgment, Psalm 88 says this, My soul is full of trouble. 
and my life draws near to the grave, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man with no strength. You, God, you have put me in the lowest pit in these dark depths, and you have taken my closest friends and made me repulsive to them. I am confined, I cannot escape, and darkness is my closest friend. I mean, that is quite a prayer. Sometimes we say that it's lonely at the top. It is even lonelier at the bottom. Jesus came low. He did this out of love. Greater love has no one than this, that you would lay down your life, that you would go to the depths for your friends. When morning dawned, they took Jesus out of the pit. They marched him over to Pontius Pilate where he was accused, prodded, provoked, not found guilty exactly, but condemned to death anyways. This is where Luke chapter 23 picks up the story. Two other men who were both criminals were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Remember, this is the story of how Jesus became king. And then Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And then the soldiers divided up his clothes by casting lots. Church, this is one of the incredible moments in human history. Jesus forgives the very people who are mistreating him in every possible way. Can you bring up that feeling of when you've been freshly wronged? You know, that kind of hot, angry feeling inside, that little inside burn that makes you want to like hit out or lash back at somebody who has just done something nasty to you? Do you think Jesus was above those feelings? I mean, he was a human being. If anybody ever deserved to feel like they had every right in the world to be angry and lash back, it was the innocent Jesus of Nazareth, now suspended from the cross, but miracle of miracles, he does something totally different. He forgives everybody. Jesus says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, he is not saying this in a trolling way or like, write us all off because we're ignoramuses kind of way. He literally is letting us off the hook, letting everybody off the hook because we know not what we do. Jesus is forgiving the very people who are dividing up his clothes before he has died. God forbid your children or grandchildren would do that to you, right? Jesus is forgiving the very soldiers who have recently driven metal spikes through his wrists and through his feet. Jesus is forgiving the misguided religious leaders, Lord have mercy, who so desperately wanted to be rid of him because they were so competitive and couldn't stand Jesus' popularity. And Jesus is forgiving from the cross every single person who would follow in his footsteps who doesn't really know what they're doing either. That is maybe an accurate description of most of us human beings. It is hard to forgive. I mean, this week, just three days ago, 
pulled off the tri-state, exiting toward York Road. There's a little stoplight there, right by Elmhurst Hospital, Brush Hill Road and York Road. Passed through on my way back to church. About 100 yards in, a car exits from Elmhurst Hospital, except guy wasn't really paying very much attention, so there was some traffic coming the other way. So he stops in the middle of the road. I'm annoyed. You know, I confess. There's about four or five cars behind me, so I gently press my horn. <laughs> it might have been, you know how anger is expressed in the length of horn honks? It might have been like a second and a half. It wasn't like multiples, but he was looking this way at oncoming traffic, not realizing that I and the four people behind me were like stacking up. So he turned toward me, and his face was full of loving kindness. No, he looked at me with angry eyes, and there were gestures, and I could kind of read his lips, and he's the one blocking traffic. And it was not my immediate instinct as a fine Christian pastor to be like, you know what, he probably just came out of a treatment. You know, God, like, give this guy patience. Like, he's probably having a rough day. Like, it fully took me two minutes to get there. And that's pretty good, like I think. I drove the rest of the way to this nice church where I work, feeling a little consternation in my spirit. And that is such a small thing. And it took me, like, a few minutes just to, like, let that random guy off the hook who was coming from a hospital. It is so hard to forgive. If you are looking for evidence that Jesus is king and a worker of miracles, here it is. People are doing everything in their power to take everything away from him. And his instinct is to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Even from the cross, Jesus is signaling, I am not here dying as a lonely criminal. I am forgiving you all so that I can welcome you back in, so that you can be with me, so that you can reconnect with me. Man, that is a God move right there. God and God alone. God from the very beginning, God who was eternal joy and bliss, who didn't need to make anything, but created this entire universe because of a generous love overflowing from the heart of God so that someday someone like you or me might respond and say, God, Jesus, I'm with you. Thank you. In real time, it is so hard for people like you and me to get it. The people who were there witnessing this, people stood watching. The rulers, the religious people, even sneered at him. And they said, if you would join in, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The mockery didn't end there. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice over Jesus' head which said, This is the king of the Jews. In these short verses, triple mockery. Talk about kicking a guy while he's done. Down. The rabbis and the pastors start it. The soldiers join in, and just so everybody would get it, this written sign, I think really a better translation from the Bible's original language would be this. This guy, he's the king. I mean, it's worded in a sarcastic, eyeball-rolling sort of way. And Jesus, with all of this, 
is there forgiving everybody. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, while we had no idea what we were doing, a lot of us, Christ died for us. This is why he is and deserves to be king. Nobody else is going to do that for people who don't know what they're doing. It is dark below. I mean, the words, the nonsense that are coming out of everybody's mouth, it is dark below. But above, where Jesus crosses, light and love are shining down on everybody. Is anybody going to get it? One of the criminals, remember there's one on each side, one of the criminals who hung there also hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And then the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since we are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this guy, this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus' approval rating, if you put it in political terms, on this Good Friday is absolutely abysmal. Like there is no one approving of Jesus right now except for one criminal. The first criminal insults Jesus, despairs of life, and I presume dies bitter and alone, even though Jesus is right next to him, breathing their last together. But criminal number two, the only person, it seems, approving of Jesus, says this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Criminal number two is the only person that Luke records to acknowledge Jesus' innocence. This criminal knows that Jesus is the king, right? He's coming back with a kingdom. This guy knows that Jesus is the king of forgiveness, the king of love, the king of the heart. But this criminal, he cannot bow to his new king. He's pinned to a cross. This guy, he doesn't have air in his lungs to shout a hallelujah or sing a song of praise. With his last remaining shallow breath, he offers up this desperate last prayer. We'd call it a Hail Mary, but that was Jesus' mother. I would call it a Hail Jesus. All right? This is his desperation shot at the end of his life. And he says, remember me. This is an anti-loneliness prayer. This is an anti-despair prayer. This is an anti-bitterness prayer. Remember is one of the most beautiful, gorgeous words in our language. What does it mean? It means quite a bit more than just to recall, right? If you remember something, totally. It's like bringing your thoughts back up. But literally, to remember is to put something back together. It's to interlace your fingers. It's to knit like the arms that got dragged off a sweater back onto the sweater to make it healed and whole. To remember is to be of one piece and belong. The opposite of remember is not to forget. The opposite of remember is a horrible, ugly word, to dismember. To dismember is to pull something apart, to harm in an ugly way. And this guy, 
with his last breaths, offer this profound prayer. And notice he does not call Jesus master. He does not call Jesus Lord. He does not call Jesus rabbi. One of the few times in the Gospels where somebody addresses Jesus in the first person, Jesus, like in that moment, he is all he has, just Jesus, Jesus, remember me. This is the final request that Jesus of Nazareth will hear with his pre-resurrection ears. That is also an amazing thought. And he is quick to respond to this final request. Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We like to wonder what paradise means. Do we get everything we want? Are the streets paved with gold? Like, there's none of that stuff here, right? The most important, powerful words in this sentence are these two, with me. If you are with Jesus and Jesus with you, you are on the threshold of paradise already. Your life might be falling apart in shambles, If you are with Jesus and Jesus is with you, you are already standing on the threshold of paradise because that's where the kingdom of God is. It's with Jesus. If Jesus responded in this beautiful way to this criminal, hearing a prayer with his pre-resurrection ears, what do you think is going to happen to you If Jesus hears your cry for help and mercy and remembering and being put back together, if you offer that prayer and Jesus hears it with his post-resurrection ears, like, don't you think the results are going to be pretty great? Jesus is no longer physically hanging on a cross. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, And from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you think that guy is going to be unable to answer your cry for help? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Why would we hesitate to pray ever if the guy with post-resurrection ears is paying attention to us. Here in this room today, there is some remembering to do. This table that is set in front of us right now, we call this the Lord's table. And Jesus invites all disciples to take, eat, remember, and believe. That's how we're going to finish today, remembering Christ the King is what is on the heart of Jesus. Uh, It's what's good for us. But something even more profound than our remembering takes place when we worship him, when we eat his food. We are remembered by him. We remember, but praise the Lord, much, much better than that, we are remembered by him. Jesus remembers people like us. Jesus remembers people who don't really know what they're doing. Does that describe anybody in the room here today? 
<laughs> Lord have mercy, I don't really know what I'm doing. It's okay. Jesus remembers you. Jesus remembers that we are weak and in need of feeding. And he remembers. Jesus remembers that we are lonely and need of companionship. Jesus remembers. Jesus remembers that we are lost and need of finding. All of our hopes are because Jesus remembers. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for your forgiveness, for your love, for your kingship, for the fact that you hear us uh, with the ears of resurrected life. Oh, Jesus, remember people like us when you come into your kingdom. Amen.